the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome back. February 3rd, 2021. I rarely do this, but once in a while, a column comes along that needs as much exposure as possible. So to wit, today I bring you Molly Hemingway's most recent. When Senator Rand Paul of Kentucky spoke against the constitutionality of the Democrats' impeachment trial of former President Donald Trump, He reminded his colleagues that Democrat elected officials had recently told their followers to attack Republicans. If Trump was to be impeached for asking followers to, quote, peacefully and patriotically, close quote, make their voices heard by members of Congress on January 6, what to do with Democrats' more incendiary rhetoric and actions, he wondered. Senator Kamala Harris solicited funds to bail out the rioters who destroyed Minneapolis during 2020's Summer of Rage. Representative Maxine Waters called on Democrats to seek out Republicans in public places and, quote, create a crowd and push back on them to let them know they're not welcome anymore, anywhere, close quote. The Bernie Sanders supporter who nearly killed House Republican whip Steve Scalise at a baseball field in Virginia said he was motivated to kill for health care after Sanders and other Democrats had said the Republican health care plan was to kill many Americans. Senator Cory Booker told his supporters at one gathering in D.C. to, quote, please don't just come here today and then go home. Go to the Hill today. Get up and please get up in the face of some Congress people, close quote. One example Paul left out of his excellent speech is even more relevant to next week's impeachment. Less than one year ago, Senator Chuck Schumer of New York led a mob on the steps of the Supreme Court while a case was being heard and tried to thwart the natural deliberation of justices by violently threatening two of them to rule in favor of his and other Democrats' preferred outcome. Quote, I want to tell you, Gorsuch, I want to tell you, Kavanaugh, you have released the whirlwind and you will pay the price. You won't know what hit you if you go forward with these awful decisions, close quote. Schumer threatened the two most recently confirmed justices, Neil Gorsuch and Brett Kavanaugh. The threat was so alarming that even leftist activists such as Lawrence Tribe condemned it. Schumer received a rare same-day rebuke from Chief Justice John Roberts, who said, quote, Justices know that criticism comes with the territory, but threatening statements of this sort from the highest levels of government are not only inappropriate, they are dangerous. Then-Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell condemned Schumer's remarks as astonishingly reckless and completely irresponsible. However, Senator Josh Hawley's efforts to censor Schumer for his violent threats were scuttled. The Washington Post write-up of Schumer's threats focused instead on Republican opposition to them. Quote, GOP seizes on Schumer's remarks, close quote, was the headline. Schumer's threats came just 17 months after the Supreme Court had been besieged and attacked by abortion activists upset at Kavanaugh's confirmation. Like the January 6th event, the October 2018 siege also involved Vice President Pence, 
being condemned by protesters. As he walked down the steps of the U.S. Senate following the vote to confirm Kavanaugh, the crowd greeted him with chants of shame. Across the street, hordes of protesters broke through a police barricade and attempted to beat down the 13-ton bronze doors of the court. Protesters included a topless woman with a Hitler mustache and another woman who scaled the Contemplation of Justice statue in front of the court and sat in her lap to the cheers of other protesters. Justices Ruth Bader Ginsburg and Elena Kagan, who attended Kavanaugh's immediate swearing-in, were hit with water bottles and tomatoes when their car left the court afterward. Some 164 people were arrested in that protest. For all the concern about disruptions to the constitutional processes regarding electoral college votes on January 6, there was far less concern from corporate media and others on the left when Democrat mobs completely disrupted the constitutional proceedings for confirming a Supreme Court justice in 2018. The Center for Popular Democracy brought 600 protesters to Washington, staging a demonstration in and around the Capitol. On August 1, 2018, following the group's rally, 74 protesters were arrested when they blocked the Senate hallways to prevent Kavanaugh from meeting with U.S. Senators. Kavanaugh's first day of hearings included 63 interruptions from Senate Democrats and more than 70 arrests of protesters. The protesters had been flown in by Planned Parenthood Action Fund from across the country. Winnie Wong, a senior advisor to the Women's March, explained their carefully coordinated messages. Members going into their hearing room were given a script where we suggested certain messaging that may resonate more. The storytellers travel and accommodations were paid for, as were their legal aid and bail if they were arrested, which was generally the goal. Later in the hearings, the organizers of the protesters, the Women's March and the Center for Popular Democracy, were warning activists that being arrested three times might lead to a night in jail. The group raised sums of more than six figures to finance the protest. This is well-organized and scripted, said Wong. This isn't chaos. Protesters also occupied senators' offices, managed to shut down the Capitol building, and trapped senators in elevators. All of this was done to disrupt the constitutional process for con- confirming a justice. Quote, we were planning to shut down the Capitol building, but the authorities were so scared of this woman's wave that they shut it down for us, read a tweet from one activist group. Particularly by the standard adopted by the media and Democrats for the second impeachment of Trump, Schumer bears responsibility for the protests and riots at the Supreme Court and in Senate office buildings, as well as the attempt to destroy the life and family and reputation of Kavanaugh. Within 23 minutes of Kavanaugh's nomination, Schumer said, quote, I will oppose Judge Kavanaugh's nomination with everything I have, close quote. His destruction during the Gorsuch confirmation process of the filibuster for Supreme Court justices contributed to the heated rhetoric in the Kavanaugh battle. His refusal to treat the nomination as legitimate included a prohibition on Democrats meeting with Kavanaugh. Schumer didn't trust Senate Judiciary Committee ranking members Senator Dianne Feinstein to handle the political machinations he felt were needed. He organized the barrage of interruptions from other senators that led to the hostility and chaos of the first day of hearings. Senator Christopher Coons, a Democrat from Delaware, later told Politico, quote, It was important that we lay down a marker that this is not a normal hearing, close quote. Senator Dick Durbin said they wanted to, quote, single out the hearing as something unusual, close quote. Senator John Cornyn was appalled by the spectacle. He described the mob rule that was disrupting the hearings. 
Schumer also said Kavanaugh had no presumption of innocence. He believed outrageous conspiracy theories. For instance, when Michael Avenatti's client, Julie Swetnick, claimed with no evidence in support and plenty of evidence in opposition that Kavanaugh was a serial gang rapist who had roamed the streets of suburban Maryland for his prey, Schumer demanded the allegations be accepted as true and that Kavanaugh's nomination be pulled. Democrats argue in favor of Trump's impeachment is that even though he told his protesters to be peaceful, his refusal to accept the 2020 election incited a mob. What to do then with a Senate Majority Leader who issued a violent threat against Supreme Court justices after a multi-year campaign to undermine confidence in Supreme Court confirmation processes? What to do with many senators who brought the mobs into hearing rooms and Senate buildings in order to destroy the confirmation process? What to do with the mob's many attacks on Kavanaugh and his family? And how to take seriously a Senate that never held Kavanaugh's false accusers to account, never censored the now majority leader for issuing violent threats while a court case was being heard, and never held Democrats accountable for assisting the mobs who attempted to shut down their hearings? I say Mitch McConnell should file a motion of disqualification for the Democrats. I'm Seth Liebson. We'll be right back. Welcome back. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. Portions of this show brought to you by Balance of Nature, my favorite product I've ever taken or endorsed. Boost your immunity, build your energy, improve your health with the Tens of thousands of vital nutrients you get from a daily dose, a daily dose of Balance of Nature. No sugar, no chemicals, no GMOs, 31 different fruits and veggies, 10 servings of 31 different fruits and veggies in a daily dose of Balance of Nature. Check them out at balanceofnature.com or give them a call at 800-246-8751. They have a heck of a great deal, free shipping and 35% off. Any new preferred order of their fruits and veggies, just make sure to use discount code BALANCE. That's balanceofnature.com, discount code BALANCE. Everyone I know who's taken it loves it as much as I do. You will as well. Uh, There's a lot in the news today. My gosh, I'm not even sure where to begin. But, uh, yeah, I guess guess we can start with this. couple things on the Biden administration. Uh, I love this headline from uh, CNN. Uh, <laughs> the use of euphemism here is, 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 is really going to be stretched. Listen to this. I'll quote it directly. The Biden administration is opening an overflow facility for unaccompanied migrant children apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border the federal agency tasked with the children's care told CNN. I'll read it again. The Biden administration is opening an overflow facility for for unaccompanied migrant children apprehended at the U.S.-Mexico border. Now, if that were done during the Trump administration, do you know what they would call that overflow facility? What, what, What would they call it, Bill? Yeah, that's exactly what it would be. Uh, with Biden, it's an overflow facility, and all's much better. 
See, that's the thing. The debt we have been told. I wasn't. I didn't think I'd have this much on uh, to say about it, except for the the uh, irony and the hypocrisy and the silliness of the media. But but think about it. We have been told for years that the Democrats and the left really know how to use language much better than we conservatives do. Right, right. Um, great society, uh, welfare, all, all, all the kinds of great language they use for for their programs. Uh, Affordable Health Care Act, <laughs> overflow facility. If Trump only would have called them overflow facilities, and if he only would have said we inherited the overflow facilities, but the thing is, he, he didn't really have a choice. Nor did the Republicans. It was the self same CNN. Washington Post, New York Times, and major networks that used the f- the phrase cages, children in cages. Also, uh, you may recall that when that uh, when the Democrats were down uh, uh, making the occasional trip to the border, as uh, Alexandria Ocasio Cortez famously did in front of a fake fence. Do you remember this? It wasn't a fake fence, I should say. It was a fence that was looking over a parking lot. And you didn't get the picture of the parking lot. So you had her crying and kneeling in front of a fence because she was crying over the conditions of the people on the other side. The problem is there were no people on the other side. It was just a concrete parking lot. Turns out now that uh, she may have a little bit of a, a few other questions to answer of things she's inventing, particularly about her story with regard with regard to uh, – to the Capitol Hill uh, assault on Jan- on uh, January sixth, um, she um, she has been saying that she was in fear of her life, and it turns out she wasn't uh, even in the Capitol building during her near death experience. Her story just isn't washing out, isn't uh, isn't playing out, isn't panning out. Uh, will anyone um, care? Will anything be uh, said or done about it? No, no, it won't. Um, But we have to keep pushing this out and talking about these things because um, the Democrats are invested heavily, as you will see in the impeachment proceedings that begin next week in this insurrectionist story. It's the story that um, they have that, that there was a reason why they rushed through the article of impeachment in the House of Representatives so quickly. And I think the reason was because they knew that they had to get it done as quickly as possible before the facts started bearing themselves out. What facts bearing themselves out? Well, maybe it wasn't quite a white supremacist attack when you think about the Proud Boys being so heavily involved and they're led by an Afro-Cuban Uh, male. Maybe uh, the facts aren't going to bear themselves out in the Democratic narrative when you see that partakers in the riots were also agitators on the left who had their own websites with the names like insurrection in them, burning the American flag, not exactly Republican Trump supporters. Maybe the facts wouldn't be bearing them out as the Democrats had wished when you realize that it isn't really an insurrection uh, per se when you don't have uh, people who are armed. And maybe the facts wouldn't start bearing them out as the Democrats would um, have wanted when the numbers start coming in. So the latest figures I've seen right now is a a little under 200 people arrested 
perhaps the best number I've seen for how many people are involved in this. Isn't that a natural question, how many people were involved? Has anyone asked that? I heard Dennis ask it yesterday. I knew the answer because I've been looking into this. How many people were involved in it? We know there were 14,000 arrests during the summer of last year over the riots from BLM and Antifa. We know there were 14,000. So it made me wonder how serious were these numbers? How big were the numbers at the January 6th Capitol Hill riot? Don't get me wrong. It was a terrible thing, and I denounced it, denounced it then, denounced it to this day. But the elevated uh, role it is taking in the, the dream palace of the Democrats, how many How many would you have guessed based on the coverage and story, Bill? Give me a number of how many people you think this involved. And yesterday in the op-ed section of the Arizona Republic, uh, former Arizona Attorney General Grant Woods said he sat astounded or dismayed as he saw thousands riot. It's not – it wasn't a thousand. It, highest number that anyone has been able to produce is 400. Highest. Highest number. None of it good. None of it good. Don't get me wrong. But let's not exaggerate things beyond what they were. Okay, let's not exaggerate things beyond what they were. It was not an armed insurrection. It was a mob of misfits who engaged in a riot that needs to be denounced and punished. And it wasn't encouraged by the president when you see that the planning took place the day before. That's the other part of the Democratic narrative. They didn't quite get to have pan out the way they wanted. Holy smokes, this was planned before Donald Trump spoke. In other words, he didn't encourage them. You can't have the riots or the activities planned before he speaks and then have him be held responsible for their actions because of his speech. It's like holding me responsible for what I'm going to say in the next segment before I say it. You don't know what it is. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. It is a delight to bring back our good friend John Dombrowski with our culture and economy update. We do it every day here at 34 past the hour. He of Grand Canyon Planning Associates, GrandCanyonPlanning.com is his website. How are you doing this Wednesday, John? That one? That's a great song. You like that song, oh, I right? I love that song. Yeah, I've been, I I, I've been listening to a lot of Sinatra mm. lately. Can't 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 get enough of it. I had a question for you. I, I want to ask you about the talks over minimum wage in a second, but I mm-hmm. had a question for you because I saw a ticker over one of my news um, sites okay. that said uh, breaking stocks making the biggest move after hours, and it mentioned eBay, pa- PayPal, Qualcomm, and more. Mm-hmm. But stocks making the biggest moves after hours. Right. That t- t- tell me what that means, right? It's it's yeah. after the market closes, right? That's correct. So the stock market opens for. You know, anyone to trade between the hours of 9.30 a.m. New York time yeah. to 4, 4 p.m. After 4 o'clock, the market's closed. You hear the bell ring, and uh, then you've got after-hours trading, they call it. So here's where people can still um, do some trading, and uh, just that it's happening after the market's closed. So they call it after-hours. And usually what happens is many companies will report earnings after the stock market closes. Not all of them. Some of them will report, you know, throughout the day. But oftentimes you'll get stocks that will report after the market closes. And so when they say after hours, eBay, PayPal, Qualcomm, you know, as an example, Qualcomm reported after hours today. So the stock in many cases will 
uh, make some moves based on what and occurred. And you can still track it. You can track yeah. the price of it, and it can yep. change after the stock market closes. Yes, extended, I extended had, trading. Has this been going on forever? Have I just been in the dark about this? Well, it, it hasn't been going on forever, but it's been going on for a long okay, time. Okay, so I have been in yeah. the dark. Yeah, I, you, yeah. I, I thought like by four or five, we were done. Mm, yes, but no. But not everybody. Like I couldn't go in and start trading because I don't. I don't have the capabilities to do I that. I see what you're saying. You know, but the average investor doesn't. I gotcha. So, but you can put in an order, right? Yeah, sure. And sure. those those orders that are backing up either to buy or sell, right, if it hits this or that, are right. going to create demand. And now you can see what the demand is for the stock, and that potentially is what's moving the market. Also, in extended hours or after hours trading. Got it. That's because of that pent up demand. That's a good explanation. All right, I've been in the dark on that. I apologize. Well, now, see, that's the only thing you were in the dark upon. Yeah, so it is the only you're, thing you're I'm clear. in the dark upon. Yes. I will tell you that right now. <laughs> All right, talk to me about minimum wage. We've been hearing it's going to 15, 15, 15, but maybe not. Maybe not, right? No. There's there's the potential of, uh, it looks like, anyway, there's this article that was just written today, actually. Uh, talking about uh, maybe not all the Democrats are on board for this. Why? Because, of course, their states can, are going to be affected by mm-hmm. this, right? Mm-hmm. And depending on uh, how the state is doing, well, that's certainly going to be an issue for uh, people maybe who own restaurants and, as we talked about this, in businesses. Uh, but they're talking about it's possible that it might be $11 an hour. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we we said in in the past year seven and a quarter. I think since two thousand and nine is what it what the uh, minimum wage has been. So it's it's it really is a, a low minimum wage. Um, Fifteen is doubling it. You know, more than doubling it. Uh, Eleven might be more palatable for uh, the markets, but. Uh, I, I, I agree. I don't think that this is just a done deal right now. No, 15 isn't. A, that's what you mean. 15. Yes. I, yes. I agree with that because you have these states. One of the holdouts, it looks like, is uh, the probably the most famous senator now, uh, Joe Manchin of West right. Virginia, right? Yes. Because uh, 15 or 11, $11 in, in West Virginia goes a lot longer, yeah. a lot farther, I should say, doesn't it, than $11 in Washington, D.C. Or New York. Or New or York. California, or right. Right. Any of the so, when, when, so if he's worried about those kinds of expenditures and layoffs, by the way, right? Because mm-hmm. right, that is right. a big concern here, isn't yes, it? Yes, of course. Wage. Of course, unemployment. Yeah, yeah. and, and as actually, actually, I think it was American Airlines today. Yeah, was, they're about to furlough again, aren't they? Another 13 or so thousand people. To. Yeah, so we just I just came across the wire here. Um, so potentially, if they do lose that uh, benefit that they're receiving now, that supplemental you know um, income that the airlines are getting from the government, then all of a sudden um, they may furlough some more people. So be on the lookout. We'll keep watching yeah, that and, and keep you up to date on it. But uh, so that we're still not out of the woods yet on this. No. And of course, you know, Congress is still battling over over the next uh, bill here. Yeah, Some and the Senate's going to be tied up next week mm-hmm. with uh, the impeachment trial. So. Yeah, oh, yeah, that's Won't important. That yes. Yeah, that's more important. Yeah, than right, right, than the economy, of course. <laughs> yeah, because we don't Getting want... Getting rid of a president who doesn't who's exist. Who's already gone. Yeah, yeah. right. Yeah, yes. okay. Yeah, okay. Nice. <laughs> Securities and advisory services offered through Client One Securities LLC, a member of FINRA and CIPIC, and an investment advisor, Grand Canyon Planning Associates LLC, and Client One Securities LLC are not affiliated. Thank you, Seth. Nicely done, John. Right. Thank you, Bye-bye. sir. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero is our number. We have open lines for you. Six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I'm Seth, 602-508-0960. Do you have that John Kerry audio handy, Bill? This is uh, 
Presidential climate envoy John Kerry stirred up a black cloud last week when he said the workers who lost their jobs over the administration's decision to shut down Keystone XL pipeline construction could just make solar panels instead. At least he didn't tell them they should learn code, our friends at Issues and Insights write. But it was a cruel comment nonetheless. As I saw Rick Perry say, not a lot of those people working on the XL pipeline can move to China, which is where they make solar panels. But you knew it was just going to be a matter of time. I mean, do they don't do, do they think they're not going to get caught? Because he's he's flying around the world as well as to these conferences in his family's private jet, his family uh, being the Heinz family, his private jet, which has the carbon footprint of a small nation, as he's lecturing us about the environment. So where was he earlier today? (coughs) Excuse me. (coughs) Sorry. Iceland. And someone caught up to him on this. I want you to listen to this. On that issue, pollution, I understand that you came here with a private jet. Uh, Is that an environmental way to travel? If you offset your carbon... It's the only choice for somebody like me who is traveling the world to win this battle. Uh, I negotiated the Paris Accords uh, for the United States. I've been involved in this fight for years. I negotiated with President Xi to bring President Xi to the table so we could get Paris. And uh, I believe the time it takes me to get somewhere. I can't sail across the ocean. I have to fly to meet with people and get things done. But what I'm doing almost full time is working to win the battle of climate change. And in the end, uh, if I offset and contribute my life to do this, uh, I'm not going to be put on the defensive. I'm not going to be put on the defensive because my ideas are so good and my work is so important that the rules I want for everyone else to follow don't have to apply to me. So uh, the lawyer who spends his life in the courtroom doesn't have to follow the law because he's dedicated his life to arguing about the law. He's dedicated his life. A prosecutor can break laws because he's dedicated his life to preserving the laws. A defense attorney, I suppose, the same thing. A judge. A judge could simply say, I spent the majority of my time sitting and presiding over trials, criminal and civil. You don't have to. I I, I shouldn't be held to count to the law. I've spent my life doing this. (laughs) I have negotiated the Paris Accords. I brought Xi to the table. Um, it's the only choice if you're someone like me. It's the only choice for somebody like me. And just what are those carbon offsets? Do you think he's, um, do you think he's refraining from, uh, from, <laughs> I just, the arrogance here is incredible to me. It is incredible. So he can tell, uh, pipeline construction workers, they need to just go make solar panels and he will fly off in his private jet and say, I'm not worried about it because it's the only choice for somebody like me. I can't just sail across the ocean. Seems a lot of people um, do um, use, of course, ships. I don't know how many people sail in, uh, in, in, in their government jobs. But it also seems to me there is something called commercial air flight that takes a lot of other people at the same time so that you don't have one plane taking one person. But there is that still, right? That It's kind of like carpooling a little bit. A bus in the air. In fact, that is one of the major airline companies, isn't it? Airbus. 
anyway. Um, <laughs> the, um, the impunity with which the Democrats are now acting um, is um, – I, I, I don't have better words for it than it's going to be – it's just going to be special. It's just going to be special. Um, let me go back to what is going to occupy a lot of us next week, and I haven't said an awful, uh, too terribly much about it because it um, – you know the way the news works. It's a day-to-day thing. Not here, but most of the news. Everything is, uh, is uh, only relevant for one day. Next week, everything is going to be relevant to the impeachment trial I was mentioning uh, with John Dombrowski in the previous segment. I want you to contemplate just what is taking place. Impeachment is a tool for the removal of office, right? It's, the impeachment is the tool at its most basic, foundational, elemental level to remove someone from office. They are going to be having a trial about someone to be impeached who is not in office. Okay, And this is the gravamen of the defense from Donald Trump's impeachment attorneys. Uh, it will be obviously about what took place on January 6th and that Donald Trump was the catalyst and instigator, fomenter of the riot. They will not let this go. And the reason they will not let this go is it is part and parcel of everything else that has been going on. Let's tie this thing together, can we? You can only cancel or censor um, conservatives or anyone, anyone, if they are deemed to be what? Dangerous. Dangerous. Uh, an imminent threat to physical uh, harm. Uh, insurrection would be that, of course. Uh, instigation of fomenting of a riot would, of course, be that. You can only you can only morally or justifiably engage in the cancel culture or censor if someone is deemed dangerous. Thus, the entirety of the Democratic Party is invested in making sure that not only making certain and concretizing, not only that Donald Trump is dangerous or a threat but everyone who supported him. It's an effort that anyone who doesn't denounce him or what he said on January 6th is part and parcel to blame. It's called collective responsibility. Jonathan Tobin puts it this way. The riot provided Trump's opponents something that could justify the hysterical rhetoric they had been employing for four years. Democrats had been claiming that Trump's administration was the first step toward tyranny since before he was elected, that their rights were intact through his time in office, never stopped them from employing outrageous claims about him being a Nazi or an authoritarian. But it was not until the Capitol Hill riot that they had anything that could make it appear as if their fears were based in anything but hyperpartisanship. That is why the effort to milk genuine public outrage about the riot into a national trauma on the levels of the 9-11 attacks is so crucial to the future of American politics. I have more to say about that when we come back, and we will be right back. Welcome back to the Seth Leapson Show. I am uh, 
going to be speaking to the Pebble Creek Republican Club this weekend. That'll be fun. Looking forward to doing that. I'm uh, going to be talking about uh, where the Republican Party is, where the conservative movement is, and uh, where I see it going. So uh, I'll tell you more about that maybe after the fact so that I don't do to um, you what the Democrats are doing, reversing the order of things, making people responsible for words they hadn't yet said. Um, Running against an insurrection, Tobin writes, is the sort of opportunity that doesn't come along very often. Republicans did it throughout the second half of the 19th century as their efforts to weaponize continued resentment against Democrats who had either supported the Confederacy or opposed the Union war effort and Reconstruction. The specter of the bloody shirt of the cost of the actual insurrection kept the GOP in power for a lot of years, 44 out of 52 years, in, uh, until uh, – uh, Roosevelt and Taft's uh, fight got the election of Woodrow Wilson in 1912. But in the months since the riot, since January 6th, the false narrative of an insurrection has become the Democrats' bloody shirt for the 21st century. What matters now is how Republicans respond to the challenge that it poses for them in the future as we are being accused of either supporting it or turning a blind eye and a deaf ear. To it. And that is why it's imperative that the response to impeachment not be merely a procedural, procedural argument. I don't want the entirety of the argument. I don't want the gravamen of the argument to be that it's not just – it, you just simply can't impeach someone who's not in office. That, of course, is step one, lack of jurisdiction, if you will. Of course it is. But if you don't go to the merits of what they are actually accusing Donald Trump of, which is to say – by talking about peacefully marching over to the Capitol as the impetus and catalyst for a riot, the fomenting of a riot, then kiss goodbye all your free speech rights from here on out. Kiss goodbye that. You know, they used to say that the president isn't um, – this was a great talking point of the Democrats in the first impeachment. The Democrat – excuse me, the president isn't above the law. That's right, but he's not below the law. He's not below the law either. And he has First Amendment rights, as you and I all do. I think that will be the big fight. You know, Second Amendment, to be sure, is something we're always so very worried about. I'm a little more worried about the First Amendment these days than the Second. We can talk about more of that, too.